This episode of Awards Chatter is brought to you by Universal Television, presenting Girls 5 Eva. Girls 5 Eva follows a one-hit wonder 90s girl group who attempts a comeback while hilariously navigating family and relationships, plus the joys and pains of middle age. The show stars Sarah Bareilles, Renee Elise Goldsbury, Paula Pell, and Busy Phillips. Don't miss the series critics call the funniest show on television. Girls 5 Eva is now streaming on Netflix and is for your Emmy consideration for Outstanding Comedy Series and all other eligible categories. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode 58 of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporters Awards podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and I am coming to you on this episode from the iconic Empire Hotel on New York's Upper West Side with a pair of terrific guests, the king and queen of improv, Eugene Levy, and Catherine O'Hara. They've known and worked with one another for 42 years, dating back to their time together at Second City in Toronto, then the SNL Challenger TV series SCTV, then in four hilarious mockumentaries with Christopher Guest, 1996's Waiting for Guffman, 2000's Best in Show, 2003's A Mighty Wind, and 2006's For Your Consideration, and most recently on Schitt's Creek, a TV comedy series co-created by Eugene with his son Daniel Levy, which is just wrapping up its second season on POP, formerly known as the TV Guide Network. Over the course of our conversation, Levy, who is 69, and O'Hara, who is 62, reveal that they briefly dated after meeting at Second City all those years ago. They also talk about some of their most successful projects apart from one another, including for O'Hara, Beetlejuice, and, of course, the Home Alone movies, and for Levy, who can forget, the American Pie movies. As it turns out, Levy also came close to popping up in Home Alone something that O'Hara didn't even realize until this conversation. Both also talk about the rather surreal experience of performing a nominated song from A Mighty Wind at the Academy Awards in 2004, and equally if not more surreal, the experience of having Levy's son, who by the way is equally well endowed in the area of eyebrows, providing both of them with one more great vehicle to share together. So without further ado, let's go to that conversation. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Eugene and Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you. And uh, to begin with, I know that you're both originally from Canada, I believe both Toronto. I'm Toronto. Catherine is Toronto. I'm from uh, Hamilton, which is about 40, 45 minutes southwest of Toronto. So this may be a silly question, but it seems like a disproportionate number of our funniest people come from Canada. And I just wonder if you think that's purely a coincidence or is there something about being Canadian that breeds humor and particularly the self-deprecating sort that I think you guys are so great at? Well, that's a t- it's actually a tough question to answer. I'd love to be able to say it's definitely about being from Canada. It's either that or it's definitely about just being born funny. Yeah. I mean, 
Listen, there's a lot of funny people that are certainly from New York and Los Angeles and all over the country and all over the world, just as many people, I guess, as from Canada. I guess when we started out, there seemed to be a whole bunch of funny people that came out all at the same time in the early 70s. Yeah. Catherine and me and, John, and the John late, Candy. great John Candy sure. and Marty Short. and Dan Aykroyd. And Dan Aykroyd and... Andrea Martin. Well, Andrea Martin, and then just shortly after us, Kids in the Hall, and then Mike Myers and Jim uh, Carrey. Jim Carrey, and well, I mean, there's a lot of funny people, but and Robert Goulet before us. When yes. and Robert Goulet, speaking, no, of, funny, speaking of funny people. <laughs> well, you want to get into really funny people? How about Lauren Green? Right. There you go. And he is uh, Canadian. Right. No, so I don't know. You know, proportionately, I'm not sure whether there's a lot of funny people coming out of a country with a population that small. Right. Um, oh yes, there are. <laughs> We're so all let's funny. say there are. It's about being Canadian. And, and for each funny. of you, I mean, where did you grow up in households where it was the norm to be funny, or where does it come for each of you, Catherine? Well, I was going to say to your other question that sure. when you don't grow up telling each other you're the greatest, you may have a bit of be able to be self-deprecating yeah, yeah. <laughs> and have a sense of humor about yourself and others. Right. And it reminds me that my parents are of Irish descent, as I am now. And that's really true of Ireland. From <laughs> the short time I spent there, yeah. everybody makes fun of themselves and each other. And I think it's a healthy kind of sensibility to have. And my parents really had it. And we were seriously encouraged to be funny and get laughs from each other, make each other laugh. And my mom and dad were both funny. And I come from a family of seven kids. Wow. And it was the way to get attention. <laughs> yeah. Um, now... Talk about how this, when did it first occur to each of you that this could be employed as part of a career, that it was actually more than just something to get laughs from friends or family or whatever? When did it first occur to you, Eugene, that you could do something with this? To be honest, I was just about through university because I had done a lot of acting, not a lot, I did a few plays in high school. I had a singing group in high school. We had a folk group in high school, the Tritones. Okay. And so I did a lot of performing, and I really enjoyed it. That was high school. And then I went to uh, university and spent a couple of years kind of just going to classes. And then I started getting back into plays and theater and making movies and things and just really loved it to the point where I wasn't really going to class and ended up, of course, having to quit because I was not going to make my year because I hadn't been to class in five months. <laughs> but still, I couldn't, it never occurred to me that what I love doing, yeah. you could actually make a living doing it. I thought I'd have to quit school and actually get a job. It so happened, I had, the first call I made when I knew I had to quit school and actually get a job was to Ivan Reitman, who I went to school with at McMaster and made movies with and things like that. And he was off to Toronto to start his first feature. And so I called him first to say, do you have any jobs on your movie that I might be able yeah. to get? And, and he gave me the last job available. And which, which project was that? Which movie? Well, it was a movie called Foxy Lady. This is a movie <laughs> nobody has really heard of and nobody has really seen yeah. since it was released in 1970. Wow. <laughs> We'll have to track that was the, that was yeah. the first movie, and I was I was coffee boy on that movie, okay. and then it was his second movie, Cannibal Girls, okay. that I actually he gave me the the starring role, co-starring with Andrea Martin, who okay. I had met on Foxy Lady, right? Because I was the coffee boy. Okay. You don't mean played the co you didn't play the coffee boy. You no, I the was the coffee boy. <laughs> I was actually was literally getting. I was thinking no. you're playing. No, no, no. I was. The, I was delivering. I was getting coffee and giving it to the crew and the cast. And so I met Andrea on that movie. And anyway, Ivan gave me the. You know, said, "Do you want to just kind of be the lead in this movie?" Because he knew I did a lot of work at McMaster when I was there, and I and I was you know kind of. They thought I was kind of funny and did a lot of work, so he said, okay, how about doing that? Right. But no, while I was at school, I, I had no clue that you could actually think of doing this right. for a living. It just didn't happen back in 1970 sure. in Hamilton. <laughs> and Catherine, for you, were, were there people around you, people that you knew who had managed to turn this into a career? Or for you, when did it occur to you? When I was in school, I did theater and thought that I was going to be an actress, but didn't really know how to go about it. And then when I got out of school, my brother Marcus was dating Gilda Radner. They were in this really? little global theater downtown in Toronto. 
And then she got into, first she got into Godspell, and I tried to follow her there, and I got a call back, but I didn't get the cast, so it didn't quit. And just for people who may not know, Godspell at that, can you explain what, what, why Well, Eugene was in it, he'll explain. Well, Godspell opened in uh, Toronto, of course it started in New York in 1970, I believe it opened in New York. It opened in Toronto in 1972, and I think it was the third or fourth company. I think there was a company in Boston, maybe a company in London, Mm -hmm. and then Toronto. So... Toronto was a a Godspell company where most of us actually met and became friends. Marty Short and I, who also was at McMaster University with me, I've known Marty a long time. So Marty, myself, Andrea Martin, Victor Garber, Gilda Radner, Paul Paul Schaefer Schaefer was our musical director. So that was was our first show. That was our first taste of show business where you actually got a check every week. (laughs) You know? Right. You could actually go and buy things. So that was Godspell 1972. And and, uh, Gilda, at that time, it's true, was going out with Catherine's brother, Marcus. And then Gilda got into Second City Theater. And I got a job as a waitress there. And then I became the understudy. Joe Flaherty made me the understudy for the main cast, in which Eugene was a member. And then we did this trade with Chicago, where the Chicago cast played the Toronto stage and vice versa. And I got to go with them to Chicago. and uh, It was a four-week trip, I think. In the first two weeks, Gilda did the show. And then she left to do National Lampoon, and I got to take her place. Wow. So it was really, well, the truth is I wouldn't be here if it weren't for Gilda Radner. Yeah. <laughs> God bless her. Yeah. But also, I, I, I was really lucky to have somebody who was, she was pretty freshly into it herself, but who, who I got to see, and I could see that as a reality. I always thought I could do it, and I kept telling my parents I would be an actress, and they kept saying, no, your father can get you a job at the CPR, Canadian Pacific Railway, <laughs> in the offices, and why can't you dress like right. the girls in Montreal? Right. And no, don't be an actor, you're not going to know. And, but then when I did get in, like Eugene says, when I actually got paid, at the time I don't think I admitted this, but it was just a thrill every week, like, I get to do this and I get paid too, <laughs> which is such a lovely, I would wish that for everyone, that sure. they would find something to do that comes naturally to them in some way, and that they could actually make a career of. That's, well, back that's, then, when you're kind of goofy and young, I mean, yeah. money doesn't really enter into it so much. I mean, you can, you can sleep on the floor. You can you, you can get by with no right. money and still be really happy right. and excited. Right, right, right. I would save my checks. And this ended up with being audited three times in a row, thanks. But I would save my checks up until I had about 10 checks. Right. And then I would cash a couple of them and put the rest in the bank, I guess, and cash a couple and then I'd save up the next, t- like, so stupid, had no sense of money <laughs> until I got hit with horrible auditing job. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, I guess the, the key question here is, do you remember when and how you two actually first crossed paths? I think it must have been Godspell, right? I came to see you it, in the it, cast. It probably, yeah. I, I think, was Godspell because I think, although I didn't really, all I knew was you were uh, Marcus's younger sister, and I think <laughs> there was some, it was either a Godspell event yeah. or maybe opening night or maybe not. Maybe it was something else, but it was, I remember seeing you as Marcus's younger sister, I still am. Um, <laughs> and, 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 as you still are. Yes. No, we can't take that away. Can no. We? No. I'm uh, Catherine Marcus's little sister O'Hara. Right. Uh, so that, I mean, that was that. And then when we started Second City in Toronto, Catherine was waitressing. I think you were in the coat check. No, that was like for about a week at the Far Hall. Oh. I was actually was, a waitress. Sorry. I was a waitress on Adelaide. Waitress, uh, yeah. Waitress. The first Second City Theater. Mm, on, uh, at the First Second City Theater. And, and yeah, that was crepes and Coke. They, yes. They had no liquor license. They could only serve crepes and Cokes. And, of course, they closed in four months. Well, so, so you guys, at that time, it was just sort of a acquaintance type thing? Or did you hit it off quickly? Did you become good friends? Well, I was just a waitress, and Eugene was in the cast. Yeah. Uh, But they were a lovely group of friendly actors. Yeah, no, I had had a circle of friends and social scene back then, and I don't know exactly entirely what I was doing or who I was hanging out with, but it really, I think it was when she came down to Chicago when, as she said, when the casts kind of did a Mm flip-flop and Chicago went up to Toronto for a month and the Toronto company went down to Chicago. And Catherine kind of came in as uh, Gilda's understudy and then started performing and worked her way in the show. And it was like, you know, it was 
Yeah, it was pretty pretty they great. Yeah, they let me learn on the job. Now, I understand that you guys may have dated at one time. Oh, did. We tried. Was that when? I don't remember, though, if I was in. No, I mustn't have been in the cast, I don't think. So it must have been, been when I was a waitress. Really? Yeah, it was on Adelaide. You, no, oh, no, we had no, maybe one no, or two. No, no, it wasn't when you were on Adelaide. No. Yes. No. It was. No, I don't believe it. No. It was? <laughs> <laughs> Well, here this may oh around. maybe this may yeah maybe so, yeah was I think it was at at the theater yeah oh maybe you were taking advantage of the underlings. <laughs> well, let me uh, ask because this no he didn't he was a gentleman. The, this uh, might help set the timeline. Uh -oh. Was there at one time a car accident on a date that you guys were on? No, I think Eugene told some story. He, after oh, you dropped me I off, you drove me all the way out to the West End where I lived yeah, with my parents. Yeah, so, you know I remember dropping you off. It seemed like an eternity from the city <laughs> back. It was. You know. Islington. And coming back, yeah, it was a little drizzly and I made a kind of a little hairpin. Took a ramp, an exit ramp that was, you know, just really kind of a hairpin turn. <laughs> I, you know, at 2.30, whenever it was. I didn't negotiate that turn very well. <laughs> so I really kind of, I did a, did a great damage to the back end of my car. Uh, although I did, you know, the funny thing was when I heard the crash oh. or the, you know, bump into the wall, I went, oh, and I opened my door and looked at the front tire, because I thought I hit the front end, and I went, oh, there's no damage, isn't that so, how lucky am I? Oh, so I turned the ignition back on and just kind of Then I got out of the car, looked, and right. the back wheel was on a 45 degree oh, angle. No. So I, I, I got it to a parking lot, and I was living with Marty, Sure. At the time, yeah. yes, and another friend of mine, John Yaffe, and I remember calling them because you had to go to a phone booth <laughs> back then. You had to find one. Uh, right. To say, hey, I'm in trouble. Come and pick me up. And they said, oh, we're way too drunk to come and pick you up. Why don't you, why don't you take a cab? Right. Friends in their 20s. But this all would have been happening. You're first getting to know each other. We're talking like 74? Yes, yes. That. That's yeah. it, yeah. 1974. Yeah. So this was an exciting time in your lives, right? Because of, I think the thing that you have really done ever since and very well is improv, right? And that came out of Second City, is that fair to say? Oh, or were you doing it before? I to was be doing honest, it at home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's and, and, but professionally, and, no. To, to be honest, when I, around about the time I was doing that classic movie, Foxy Lady. Yes, yes. Uh, when I first uh, <laughs> met Andrea, and just before we went into the second epic, Cannibal Girls. Yes, of course. We, four of us, Andrea, myself, and two of the actors in those movies, Alan Gordon and Alan Price, started our own improv group. Really? And we didn't get very far, but we would rehearse every week. We'd get together. What even inspired that, though? Because who knew about improv at that point? I, I wasn't familiar with Second City at all. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I think it was because maybe it was when we just started Cannibal Girls, because Cannibal Girls was an improvised movie. Okay. Um, had I known at the time, <laughs> it would have turned out as well as it did. I might have demanded a script. Right, right. But... Um, but it was an improvised movie, and the thought of improvising kind of was a, you know, tickled everybody. So we said, hey, why don't we form an improv group? And at the time, I think, like, Fred Willard and Ace Trucking Company were, if that rings a bell, not to your listeners, of course. <laughs> but it was an improv uh, group. Most of them came out of Second City okay. back in the mid, uh, I would say, late 60s, early 70s. And they were really, really funny. So we modeled ourselves kind of after that. Okay. We didn't get very far. And then shortly after that, Second City opened. And for you, Catherine, it was Second City where you really learned to improvise? Yes. Yes, definitely. It's good. It's great school. So school for improv. Is it something that you you are born with or you really have to learn? Well, you know, improvising, I think there's different kind of styles mm -hmm. of improvising. You have a Jonathan Winters, Robin Williams style of improvising, which is almost kind of savant-like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and its, solo. In yeah. its, it's brilliance right, right. in terms of what the mind can do and how fast it can work. And then there is improvising like the well then there's the improvising few, you yeah. learn at second city which is improvising to keep a story moving yeah, so that the, the premise mm -hmm. that's exactly right yes mm -hmm. to keep the to keep the story moving and get your laughs at the same time it's not just about getting laughs and that's the kind of improvising that we kind of 
modeled are like the movies that we did with Chris. Right, right. Yes, those were that kind of improvising where you you have to keep the story moving, you have to keep the scenes moving in a way that's gonna have some kind of resonance with the audience. But you would have yeah. had a, a rough outline for something like the Christopher Guest movies? Oh yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, 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 definitely an outline. Yeah. Scene structure, you know, scene. Each, each scene, you know, you knew the beats in each scene. The only thing not written, which yeah. is a, quite a big thing, but yeah. the only thing not written was the dialogue. dialogue. Right. Okay. But there were lots of, you know, great jokes and ideas oh, in yeah. the script Story to beats inspire. and character backgrounds and, yeah. and all that stuff that yeah. the actors could use so that they can do what they ended up doing, which gotcha. is improvising yeah. dialogue. Talking about different kinds of improv, there's also the game playing. You know, there's a lot of improv companies, it's purely game. It's just gaming in front of the audience, mm -hmm. and they get suggestions and they go that way. And the Second City way was more, or is more to this day, scene structure, building scenes. Yes. And like Eugene said, having a story, some kind of storyline within a sketch. So while you guys are in Second City, you're, is it correct that you're also doing other things, taking episodic television work. I, I read about you know the first successful comedy sitcom in Canada, I think was King of Kensington, right, for you, Eugene, is that right? Well, it wasn't my show. But you did a few <clears throat> episodes, right? I did, during, a, I did a few episodes, right. yes. And yes. Catherine, were you doing other things during Second City as well? I did get into, um, Dan Aykroyd helped me get into a show called Coming Up Rosie. And actually, okay. the girl who I worked with, who was um, the other woman in the castle Gilda, Rosemary Radcliffe, was the star of Coming Up Rosie. And yeah, I was a regular on that. It was like John a children's Candy sitcom. Yeah, well. John Candy in yeah. it too, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. but then the, the really, the, I guess the thing that was born out of Second City was SCTV. Was that an offshoot essentially? Yes. Yes, uh, yes. And we happened hmm. to be the cast members at the time when they, when the Second City, when Bernie Solins from Chicago, God bless him, gone now, and Andrew Alexander, the Toronto hmm. producer, finally got it together to get a TV show together. We happened to be the cast, didn't, don't you think? You yeah, I was, uh, I actually was not in the cast, but I was still performing and helping. I'd been out of the cast already, but right. uh, I would come in and sub for people who wanted to go on vacation and, you know, la-di-da. It, it was in, when, when SNL came on the air in 1975, SNL was comprised of Second City, basically, and, and Lampoon, National yeah. Lampoon. Yeah. And uh, Bernie Solins was saying, well, that show's now a big hit. The show's now a big hit. We should, we're going to lose all our people to that show. Why don't we create our own show with our own people? <laughs> so we need a Saturday Night Live. We can do that. So he, we started our show, SCTV, up in Toronto, and it really started locally. It was just a local show when we started our first 13 episodes. How come we got to do it and not the Chicago cast at the time? I wonder. Um, I wonder why they did it in because Toronto. Because I yeah. believe, maybe it's because Andrew was heavily involved. I guess, Andrew yeah. Alexander in Second yeah. City at that time. He may have bought Second City from Andrew, possibly. Yes. By that time. He bought it from Bernie. Yeah. He, from yeah, Bernie, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so it may have been Toronto. I mean, it may have been a Toronto thing, and, and most of the people were Canadian from, I, I don't know, right. to be honest. Except I don't then know. Harold. Harold was, came in as head writer, and he was Chicago. Harold Ramis, yes. Yeah, uh, Harold so, yeah, that was it, and that's how it started. Just basically, we can do it too. Right. Now, yeah. I think a lot of people either don't know or forget that, Eugene, in addition to acting, you also are very prolific as a writer on SCTV and then also with the Christopher Guest movies, right? You as at least structuring the outline. Yeah, with, right? with Chris Guest and, and everybody on SCTV wrote oh, the, yeah, the entire come cast. Come on, I have my writing No, we're Emmy. coming to you. Don't come worry, on. We're, we're coming <laughs> to you. The, no, no the, we all the, did write, The whole yes. cast uh, wrote on SCTV, that's for sure. And, yeah. and I pretty much wrote on my own, though. I was a, once we mm -hmm. figured out how to write for television, yeah. because in the first early going of our first season we didn't know what we were doing yeah. we would we thought we could you know warm up with improvisation like second city right. and get loosened up and try to improvise you know some scenes and it just wasn't going Not fast enough right, right, right. for a <laughs> weekly show right, right. So we, we figured out that we have to get a pad of paper and break up into smaller groups and right. start writing. But yeah, I did most of the writing I did kind of on my own and, and I, I don't think it was very good in the beginning. Um, <laughs> you know, because you know, did some good stuff toward the sure. end of the run. And mm -hmm. Catherine, as, as writing became more and more a part of what you were doing, <laughs> yeah. was it something that you enjoyed as much? Or well, it... we wrote at Second City. We wrote you know through improvisation okay. and then we would hone down the, at the Second City Theater, I mean. Right. And I think the best improvisers are really good writers. 
Most of the people who were in the Chris Guest movie, sorry, were really, all of them are, are also right. Yes. You know, I think it really helps you have a sense of where the scene should go and how you fit into the scene and work with the other characters. But I tended to write alone, too, on SCTV. And when you're talking about, though, you're saying writing based on improv, would that mean that in a rehearsal or whatever, you got your, the improv is done, but then you note what went well and then redo that? It's not that it's truly happening in that moment. Right. It's, there's been trial and error before you go and do it? Right. Well, you, you improvise after every show. Maybe okay. there's one or two shows a week you don't improvise after, right? Yeah. Um, but you improvise after the show at Second City Theater. They still do this. Yeah. And it's recorded or taped or, you know, now it's... I'm sure it's visual. Yeah. At our time, it was just audio. Um, and then you'd either, sometimes you'd need to listen to those, say, was there a good sketch? What was that thing we did? You know, and you start, you know, you run a show for about six months, and the closer you get to needing to open a new show, you start looking at the material you've been doing, you start repeating them. You're not writing it down necessarily, not until the very end, maybe. You know, maybe any, even then it's because it's a group scene and yeah. you really have to structure it differently, or a musical number and that needs to be scripted. But you just keep kind of improvising it and let's do it again. Let's drop the whole part where we, you know, let's go in this direction. Right. And you just kind of, it's right. like you're brainstorming it on stage yeah, yeah, almost, yeah. you know, until you have the next show. It's, it's quite a beautiful system they worked out there. It's worked mm -hmm. for several years, hasn't yeah. it? Sheesh. Now, for you guys, has this idea of playing these flawed, sort of nutty characters always been your forte? Or was that a Christopher Guest era Invention. Does this go back to the SCTV era? Definitely. Probably. Yeah. And why? <laughs> and, <laughs> Definitely. Probably. No. Probably. Go, I mean, back to I. 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 I mean, in terms of those characters, I. I always tended to gravitate to the people and characters who are not necessarily the sharpest pencils <laughs> in the drawer because now why? Yeah, why? because oh, when in doubt play insane <laughs> because you don't have to excuse anything you do or say. Really? Yeah, I did that when I first got into Second City. Yeah, I played a lot of insane people. Yeah, people who just don't quite get it to me were the funniest people, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you're playing somebody really smart, I'm trying to figure out where you kind of get in to find where the laugh point is. Right. I mean... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I did a lot of those in my uh, career. Yeah. Um, oh, I think if you're funny to begin with, mm -hmm. you can't lose playing stupid and cocky. Because <laughs> that's think the of all, Think of all, I mean, right? Barney Fife. Right. Sorry, uh, the jerk. Steve Martin right. is the jerk. Uh, Steve Carell or um, Ricky Gervais in The Office. Yes. People who are lame ass but have no concept of the impression they're making on other people. <laughs> you know, stupid and cocky. Right. You can't. Well, it's it's a, a great formula for comedy. Unfortunately, it's now our real uh, society between the oh Palins and the Trumps or whatever. I, I'll, I'll say it if you yeah. don't want to. No, it's I mean, good in comedy, like, not in real it, life. It's, it's really unbelievable, though. It's not so funny like, in real life. Yeah. I guess before the films, coming out of SCTV, but before the Christopher Guest films, you guys continued to remain in touch? Because there, there were a few years between the oh, two. Oh, yeah. Years. Oh, yeah. yeah. See each no, other socially. I, uh, yeah, so we would see each other socially. I mean, since we started working together at Second City, I think, you know, it's been a very close core of friends, and we've remained friends, all of us, and really would see each other at a dinners or uh, parties or, you know, yeah. Christmas parties or, you know. Yeah, but it's not, it's, it's not, it really wasn't so much out of sight, out of mind. Right. It may have been out of sight, never out of mind. Right. It was just, uh, you know, every time we ran into each other, it was, you know, you're seeing like an old friend. So that was, and that's been going on for, you know, quite a few years. It's well, I've got to ask you about a couple of things you did apart before we come back to the yeah. collaborations. Mm -hmm. Catherine, I think, I'm not sure there's been too many things funnier than the whole Deo sequence in <laughs> Beetlejuice, which Aww. was one of your great moments. I mean, the Thank thing you. that people really remarked upon about that is that it was possible for your eyes to show shock at what your body <laughs> is actually doing, which has got to be as hard as anything. It's was, like a split personality. It was kind of scary and fun. Yeah. You know, we rehearsed for a day, and I think we shot it for two days because there are 12 people yeah, at the table. Incredible. And they always say dinner tables are hard to shoot anyway, but yeah. especially with that many people. But they gave us some live effects. A lot of the effects on that movie were live effects, an old-fashioned way of doing yeah. effects. But in this case, we had those shrimp 
that attacked yes. us at the end of the number. <laughs> and they had there was a guy under the table at each of our places, and that was a glove they were wearing with shrimp fingers, <laughs> and it came up out of this you know cup that was cemented, cocktail, shrimp cocktail cup that was cemented to the table, and. They were getting a cue, and we knew basically when it was coming. Right. But because they were getting the cue and then acting, then attacking our faces, because we looked down at the right. every single time. I was like, oh, it was so <laughs> scary. We didn't have to act that. But well, yeah, that was fun doing that. Dance. I tried to dance. Yeah, it looked like you weren't. Um, oh, now, also, you both did two very big sort of franchises. And, and Catherine, yours, obviously, Home Alone was yeah, a huge it. part of my and my Peers formative years. We, uh, I can't tell you. I've probably seen that movie more than, or you know, those movies more than any other ever. And so I have to ask you about when you guys were doing it. Did you realize something really special was happening? I didn't. No. No. In fact, I have proof because someone <laughs> at Christmas time showed me video of me being interviewed, you know, on the set. And they said, "Is this?" I asked basically, "Is this going to be? Are people going to see this? Is it going to be?" Oh, I'd sure like people to see it. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. Not at Christmas. So, and the boy. Oh, and then I was on Letterman at that time, which I've seen on YouTube. Yeah. After googling myself yeah. or looking yeah. at myself on YouTube, <laughs> um, and I'm le on Letterman. I couldn't remember the boy's name, Macaulay Culkins. <laughs> and I'm naming the people. Oh, John Hurt. Who's in it with you? Yeah. Um, John Hurt. And um, oh, little boy, he's really good. Oh, I can't. Just lay mess again. Yeah, so no, I had no idea. I think by the second, when yeah, we were doing the I second bet. one, oh my God, because the first one had been so unbelievably big. Yeah. John Hughes' script is so good. Was that the key? And I mean, what is, I mean, you've got a great script, you've got a, like a prodigy of a kid, right? Yeah, uh, and Chris Columbus, great director, a great casting, all those kids were just lovely kids. Um, the sets were amazing. You know, my husband's a production designer, and he said everything, you know, that house looked like it was gift wrapped. Yeah. It looked like a present. Every room looked like a beautiful Christmas present. It, the whole thing was just joyous and lovely. And the concept for kids to think that if something as horrific as your parents disappearing on you could turn into you being the hero and saving the day, <laughs> it's such a great fantasy. Sure. Being Mrs. McAllister, what was the most interesting part of, for you of playing that, that lady? And by the way, reunited with John Candy, right? Ah, uh, so, yeah, on the truck. Oh, John Hughes was so in love with John Candy. Right. Wow. And they got John for one day, and John Hughes came that day, and we were on a stage. We had the truck on a stage. I guess we shot a bit of location in front of the house, but mostly we were on stage. And John Hughes just said, what about this? What about this? And feeding John Candy ideas to improvise. Right. And he improvised for, they had him for a day, and they used him for 21 hours. Wow. And we were all in the truck. And so I'm improvising with him too, but very little of it was used of what I did. <laughs> because Chris Columbus said, oh, it was great, but we couldn't have you just having a great time with these guys in a truck. You're supposed to be, we had to kind of keep the storyline of you looking right. for your son. But it was, oh, it was fun. John Hughes, honestly, was so in love with John Candy. Right. They were such a great team. Interesting. And yeah. So and you, Eugene, what have you done? Yeah, well, well so. funnily <laughs> enough, that day, in, in the very beginning, that day in the, in the truck, yeah. it was, I had, I had heard initially that they wanted John and me to do the Schmengi oh, no. brothers. Yeah. These on tour for, for that scene These yeah you polka, would be on tour and we would be oh, on tour it's polka band, so you were going to yeah. be part of the polka band well in the beginning that's what i heard they wanted you for a scene you and john for a scene in the thing but this is way early yeah on. yeah yeah yeah. and Aww. i went oh that could be that's that could that's be, certainly could be funny but that could be kind of interesting they're Did on you tour know this? no and i bet your agent said no you should talk to your no agent no no that. i think it just i think it was probably <laughs> john hughes that decided well they're kind of characters that are on the show and they're not you know real in a way so I you know Aww. whatever it all made sense and John was great in it but wow. yeah that would have yeah. been fun too though yeah now of course your franchise Eugene uh was this American Pie uh uh whole thing which I think at the time I almost thought you were going to say Cannibal Girls <laughs> <laughs> the Reitman box set of I the see. early years I yes. see Foxy, <laughs> yes so with American Pie again at the time I, I, I'm trying to recall but like none of these people who we now know Jason Biggs all these guys were not really known to anybody right no not really I, I almost want to say including me but I because <laughs> um, I had done yeah I, I mean I'd done some movies but it was a pretty non no, not nondescript I mean nobody knew who the who these kids were although they were all brilliant what a strong cast right. but 
Paul and Chris Weitz, who ended up directing the movie, uh, were I, they they wanted to meet me for the uh, for uh, for the movie. I had gotten the script, and I thought it was a little rough. <clears throat> <laughs> to be honest, I'm reading it, and by the time I get to page 12, you know, some my you know my son's you know gets get masturbating <laughs> into a sock in the bedroom, and somebody else is. Performing oral sex, you know, according to a, a, a manual of how to do it, and somebody else is drinking. I'm, I say, okay, why? I, I don't think I want to be in a movie that I wouldn't go to see right. myself. Right. And I think it's a little young, and boy, it's 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 really seems kind of rough. And my manager at the time said, just you should just go in, take a meeting, take a meeting. You're the only adult in the movie. You just you should go in, take a. I said, yeah, but I can't. I really, it's just, it's really, it's a little raunchy. It's like, it's like Porky's, but raunchy, raunchy. <laughs> thing. I went in, met the kids, and they were great. Paul and Chris White's, and they were really. And I got right off the bat, I saw how intelligent they were and how how incredibly bright they were. And I didn't really particularly care for the role as it was written because it, there was a slight crassness to the father as it was written he was he was more kind of you know wanting to be kind of buddies with his son and and that kind of thing and i said well I, the other thing is i just don't care for them they said well what would you change i said i'd change everything because i i just <laughs> it's not what i so they arranged to come in a week before they started filming and we they said let's improvise your scenes We'll go through the scenes and just do it the way you feel you want to do it. So Jason Biggs and I came in, and Paul and Chris were there, along with the writer, Adam Hers. And we started going through the scenes and improvising, and then it started to become fun. Like right. it was, you got to play the, I said, the dad should be the corny, boring dad that every kid never wants to hang around. <laughs> you don't want to be friends right. with your dad. You want your dad to be the corny, boring dad right. that, you know. Right. And that's, a, that's kind of the way it turned out. So we improvised all the scenes, and the funny thing was, when I shot my first scene, a week later, I went in and noticed there's no uh, sides. Those are those little scenes that you're shooting that day, and they print them for the actors on little pages so you can take them to the set and use them to rehearse and I noticed there were no sides on the things on the in in the uh, um, trailer so I I said to the ADs the assistant directors who kind of look after the actors I said I don't have my sides here they said oh we'll go and check and then Paul White's came in to my trailer and said oh we don't have sides we thought you would just do what you did last week I said, well, I thought Adam, the writer, was had his pad. I thought yeah. he was writing down notes. And he said, well, he was, but it wasn't so much, you know, scripting. But so I had to actually Do it again. remember, well, basically remember and improvise the scenes the way I had done them the week before, pretty much. And that, but nevertheless, I mean, it was, um, it was f fun, yeah. and it got to be more fun the more we got into the right. to the movie. Now, are you comfortable with the fact that no matter what you do, you can win an Oscar, you can do whatever, that one day, many, many, many years from now, when we are all gone, the, the clip that perhaps will be you Google Eugene Levy. We're gonna have you walking in on a pie with a, a, a guy on a pie. pie. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about that? Uh, that's fine with yeah, me because you know I uh, I did eight of them. So <laughs> yes. I, that 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 to me is a moment I could uh, I could watch that over Absolutely. and over. Absolutely. Now hilarious. the funny thing is, yeah. what I walked in on was just an X on a light stand. Really? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. That's great. Well, yeah, you wouldn't have to walk in on it. Yeah. No, they didn't have, movie magic we'll have Jason. Jason's not yeah. working that day, but right. he'll be happy yeah. to come in and do that right. for you. <laughs> He's a pro. Okay, so now the, hmm. the, the reunion of you guys, I guess, in the, in the Chris Guest movies, there, let's just say for the record, has there, it's correct, there's been seven that you've both, is that too many? Four. Chris Guest movies? Yeah, four. I know no, Waiting four. for Guffman, Best in Show, Mighty Win, For Your Consideration. Yeah. But separately, have you done. Maybe others. Oh, movies together? Yes. Oh, we did. Uh, oh, us. Yeah. Oh, sorry. We, I thought you meant with Chris Guest. We four did, um, with Chris. Voice, we did voice over the we hedge. We did over voices. the hedge. Yes. 
We come on, you've got the notes. You're that's five. <laughs> Are you making us guess? No, this? well, I'm just saying I believe there's seven, but I know <laughs> that's five. Uh, Let's just say yes. Well, well, <laughs> okay. Well, yes. you, oh, what was the? Oh, were amazing. you in the other animated uh, movie, Heavy Metal? Did you do Heavy Metal? Yeah, yeah, years ago. Years yeah. and years and years yeah, ago. Yeah, 80s. Yeah, yeah. That's six. I think so. Right. Yeah. All right. And one TV. Uh, one, there's maybe one, we're counting one in the back of my oh. mind. Well, maybe Shit's Creek is the seventh. So how did you and, Eugene, how did you and Chris Guest first decide to start doing these mockumentaries together in the first place? And when we uh, say mockumentaries, for people who may not have seen these yet and, and should, these are all about basically odd little subcultures, right, with, you know, whether dog shows or folk music or yeah. whatever. What, how did that become your, your guys' thing? Well, I, it wasn't my, I can't take credit because Chris had done Spinal Tap, this is Spinal Tap in 1984, that Rob Reiner directed, and it was Chris and Harry Shearer and Michael McKean, of course, as Spinal Tap, and it was a faux documentary about that group, which was one of the most brilliant comedies ever made. It was so funny. Oh, so funny. Really, so funny. I, I was the first time I saw it, I was so depressed I wasn't in it. Yes. <laughs> you know, wanted so much to be in it. And all those years went by, and then I actually got a call from Chris. I didn't know Chris. When he approached me about the movie, that would have been about 10 years later, maybe late 95. I had met him a couple of times, and, you know, he was kind of so funny. I was a fan from the early National Lampoon days when he was doing recordings, you know, on record and for the radio show. Amazing character voices that he was doing. So I knew who he was, and I always wanted to kind of watch him work. We did one, I think, a Billy Crystal special in the mid-'80s that I didn't work with him, but I made sure I was on set to watch him mm -hmm work mm -hmm. and it was quite amazing but he was maybe kind of tough to get to know a little bit he you know had kind of a quirky character that wasn't easily you know you it, it's not like he 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 was like warming up to people <laughs> or allowing you to warm up to him for some reason right. so when he called me at home and I was in Toronto he called from Los Angeles, and I almost had a heart attack. And he said, you know, it's Chris Guest, and, you know, I'm thinking of doing a movie and wanted, want to know if you want to work with me. And I said, sure. No. <laughs> sure. So that's how it started. We got together and, and started, uh, started working. And I always thought, how many people did he call before he got to me, how many people did that he knew? Because right, right. he didn't know me. Right. And all those years went by. Like, it wasn't until our last, I think our last movie together, when I finally asked him that question. I said, Chris, why did you call me? Why did you call me that day to say, do you want to work on Waiting for Guffman? Which it wasn't called at the time, but it was just right. that, that, that movie on, right. on his idea. And I, and I said, how many did you call? How many people? He said, you were the first person I called. I, I said, that. where? Sure. I said, ba why? He said, well, I loved your show, SCTV, and I particularly loved you on the show, and I, That's great. I just thought it would be good chemistry. I said, boy, I wish I'd have asked that <laughs> All yeah. <these> question <laughs> right. when I first started working with you right. because I always thought I was a fifth choice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Catherine, how did you get contacted by these guys? Now, Fur Waiting for Guffman was the first that yes. you were. And you and Eugene were not a couple until Best in Show. Yeah. Because I believe Waiting for Guffman, we, we will remember the Chinese restaurant scene where you were decidedly not we're a not couple. We're not a couple, though. Uh, but yes, uh, one of the great one You of the and great Linda Cash, yes. Fred um, and me. Yeah. So what's, is working on those with Eugene and Christopher Guest any different than working with Eugene on SCTV or Second City or whatever? Is it a different vibe? Yeah, it's different. It's a movie. Yeah. And, you know, there are a lot more people involved than, than there would be on stage at Second City. Oh, it was just different. It was new. And it was exciting, and I had no idea what it was going to be at all. But it, uh, and the outline, that first outline was quite short. 
They got they got long. Yeah, what was 15 it? Fifteen pages. Yeah, they were longer and longer as they went on because we had separate stories. But at the yeah. beginning, we were kind of moved around as a group, and then they go here, and then they go there, and then they try to get Corky to come back to work, and then they go there, and then you know it was all like we moved as one unit right. everywhere, which was really fun. It was a right. great support of you know. Right. Felt very supported. No, it was scary. I remember showing up in Austin. We shot in Austin. I showed up the first night, and they'd already shot a few things, a few days. And uh, I met with Chris, and he said, just don't, if I can tell you anything, don't try to be funny. Just be in the scene, you know. Just be the character. And everybody was there being the character, right? So you just sort of, and also we'd improvise, you know, in the first one, it was 80 hours. It got to be like 92 hours with the other ones, and it's cut down to 92 minutes. So there's a lot of material there. So, which takes the pressure off of you, right. but also there's no rehearsal and no discussing it ahead of time. Really? In fact, Eugene and I basically met each other, our characters for the first time, I remember, in the uh, makeup room for Best in Show, mm-hmm. where I'd made the decision to look like I did as Cookie, and Eugene had made the decision to look like he did as Jerry, <laughs> and we look at each other and we go, oh, so that's who I'm married to. Okay. Yeah. And you know, we yeah. learned to say yes and right. at Second and City, no but yes that's and. That's when you figure it out. Yeah. yeah. And you look at each other and go, wow, okay. It just feeds you. Right. It's and an amazing you, way to work because there really, there's no rehearsals for that. You, there's no rehearsals. Right. You, you, and no discussion really about what you're going to do in the scene. So you get into makeup, you're, you show up the way you want to look for the movie. Yeah. And you go on camera. So at the end of, let's say, Best in Show, when Catherine sprains her ankle <laughs> and does this insane walk and all this, you had no idea this was coming, The Eugene? night before, remember this? The night before we just finished the day, I remember we were talking about how it was going to work. That Okay, how are we going to do this? You're, gonna, you're going to have some kind of accident, and then you won't be able to walk the dog. Um, so you hurt, what, you hurt your ankle? I guess maybe it was in the story that I hurt my leg or hurt well, my ankle. Well, you're injured. You injured yeah, you're injured. Yourself. You're injured somehow <laughs> walking the dog, and then right. Jerry has to take over. And this is the night before. So right. how do you think we, what? And I said, my dad always did this ridiculous walk. He'd walk ahead of us on the sidewalk and do this walk. <laughs> and so I said, they, what walk? So I walk away from them doing that right. walk, and they go, yeah, okay. Wow. <laughs> That's what we'll do. Like the, um, the date scene and uh, the double date scene and waiting for Guffman, that... Right. I think you or uh, maybe Fred or you said they should have a double date, these two. Might have been Fred because he was looking for scenes to do. <laughs> I think oh, Fred probably said, let's have, why don't we, these two couples should go on a double date. And I think you said that, I, uh, or Chris, we can get this Chinese restaurant. Right. And then again, like the day of, the night before the day of, I said, uh, Chris, do you mind if I'm drunk? Because I just thought, you know, I'm holding so much in being married, right. my character being married to Fred's character. Right. I thought, being drunk is a chance to just show a whole other side that you would never let out normally. Right. So, but those kind of things, are, it's really fun when they're last minute and you, and you trust each other and you go with it. Yeah, real spontaneous. Yeah. One last Chris Guest period, uh, collaboration related question and then we're on to Schitt's Creek. I have to ask you with A Mighty Wind, I'd read Catherine, you'd had a hard time kind of finding the funny in this character. I don't yet, think I did. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it was <laughs> terrific. And the fact that what, what I want to ask you guys is the fact that you ended up performing as these characters at the Oscars. That was Did you crazy. ever imagine that this movie would have that sort of a life? No, but if you don't no. mind, Eugene, I'll quickly say that when we did get to the Oscars yeah. and we were nervous about song. it. Yes, as a nominated song, um, uh, which uh, Michael McKean and Annette O'Toole co-wrote. Um, and we're singing this song and we've got our same band right. from the movie and our friends. And Eugene and I were nervous, and I think at one point we're talking about it's just singing, and it's like, no, we have to be our characters. No one's coming to see us sing this song. What? You know, it's like, yeah, we're the characters. Right. And then I looked across, and we're, you know, we're behind like the screamer stage on the stage before they introduced us doing the song. And I look across, and it's Eugene as Mitch, and almost, I could cry now. Yeah. Looking across, I think of this guy, this real guy who had this music career, and then obviously got lost and went in and out of institutions and then he's dragged back for the sake of this manager and now he's on the Oscars. I looked at him and thought, Mitch is, it was so, it was beautiful. Mitch and Mickey, right? Or it was, was a beautiful, it, yeah. it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I just kept thinking, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> but it was yeah. great. People loved it. Uh, the audience, I just rewatched the clip. Uh, People went nuts. It's yeah, crazy. they did. They and did. Well, on the, on the kiss. kiss, yes, I yeah. know. And the kiss was great. <sighs> well, it, it was a... clapped when we kissed. You know, it's a funny... It's, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is a weird thing. It was a... a when we realized uh, going through these uh, characters, Mitch and Mickey character, that their big song 
Kiss at the End of the Rainbow, you know, had this kiss at the end of it, we thought, oh, isn't that great? The sweethearts of the folk music world, isn't that great? Oh, well, they're coming to a reunion. They've been divorced, had a horrible divorce. He's been, he's been in and out of institutions and thing, 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 thing. What's going to happen when they reunite and sing that song? Are they actually going to kiss at the end of the song? And Chris and I were thinking, yeah, well, that's kind of good. Are they going to kiss at the end of the song? Wait a minute, can that be really the main story? Can that be the main story in the, in the movie? What's funny about it? There's nothing funny about it. Well, then how can it be the main story in the movie? And can you hang an entire movie on are they going to kiss or not at the end of the movie? It's kind of dangerous, isn't it? Because if it doesn't really work, the movie really kind of falls flat. But we had to go with it because it felt like the right thing to do. And, and with good comedy, with good character comedy, improvised or not, you know, you have to be able to take the audience on that kind of journey. If it's funny, that's great. But if they love your characters, if they buy your characters, you can take them anywhere. They should go with you if you execute it well. And that's the same, honestly, the same approach that we, we have going, going into our show, Shit's Creek. Great. It's like if your characters are legitimate and real and the show is funny but the audience loves your characters you can have moments that are bittersweet and and emotional and yeah. mm -hmm. um and you will be able to take the audience with you well let's talk about Shit's creek you guys are playing the parents of the rose family who have lost everything basically and for people who want to catch up this is on in the u.s on the pop network which used to be the tv guide network can you talk us through how this idea was conceived and how it came to fruition? Well, my son Dan came to me and said he had an idea for a show. Would I want to work on it with him? And I said, of course, I'll work on it with you. It didn't matter what the idea was. I would have said, yes, I'll work on it sure. with you. And so we started working on this idea about a wealthy family that loses money. And we went through different incarnations of who the family was and what they did and la-di-da. And then he brought in an article one day about uh, uh, Kim Basinger, who had bought a town years ago uh, for quite a bit of money and ended up losing town. a lot of money Ugh. on that town. And then the idea of, oh, this family loses their money and buys a town. And because the town was called Schitt's Creek, we actually got the name Schitt's Creek was added onto it even after, after that through a, a discussion with my wife and some friends about a whole other project. <laughs> but the idea of a town called Schitt's Creek came from that other project. And, and so when the idea of a family buying a town that they have to live in came up, I said, well, it's got to be called Schitt's Creek because they have to live in a town called Schitt's <laughs> Creek. Right, right. And that makes the whole scenario make right. sense. Right. That's what it's about. And that's it. And we just, we, and here we are. I mean, you know, go, uh, shooting our third season. It's so funny. I would really enjoy catching up with it. And Catherine, that is why I, I was somewhat surprised that I read you had originally had some reservations about doing this, right? Oh, I just, you know, the idea of locking into one character for you don't know how long? Years, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe you never know how long yeah. something like this will go or if it'll get picked up or whatever, but... No, no, nothing about, I mean, I, I love Eugene, always wanted to work with him again and yep. again. I don't know, I think it's laziness, I guess. I like, I like doing short jobs and then right. being home for a while. Right. You know, I have two kids at home, sure. or as, as, you know, three years ago they were that, three years yeah. younger. Yeah. You know, I've avoided going away, working away from, for too long, and mainly reasons like that, you know, yeah. laziness and just not wanting to be away from the kids for too long. But then, you know, Eugene, you know, I agreed, oh, I'll do the pilot presentation kind of thing, and mm -hmm. I thought, oh, I'll do that, and then... That was kind of fun. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. Right. And then Eugene, oh, CBC bought it in Canada. What do you think? You know, and then, uh, you know, and finally I came to my senses and thought, okay, here's an opportunity to do a fun show, a great idea right. uh, with my dear, smart, funny friend Eugene. Why? What's my problem? Right, right. What, am I stupid? So I said yes. <laughs> it kind of, just watching it, it makes, I don't know if I'm nuts to think this, but I remember in Best in Show, I think it is, where you guys 
have your credit card declined at a hotel. Yeah. And you have to end up sleeping in a hotel closet. Yeah, yes. And here we are again. Yeah. Here you are. Yes. Like you, you're yes. literally up shit straight. Yes. And, yes, that's and, right. You know, and, and speaking of the title, though, I mean, <laughs> th- these prudes here in, I'm watching your interview that you guys did on the Today Show or whatever. No, the Today Show wouldn't let us say it. No. Right? Beeping shit straight. Yes. Yeah. In yeah. Canada, yeah. who we would, I would think is more proper, is saying Shit's Creek every uh, no problem yeah. on the CBC and whatever. Yes. Were you concerned that calling it this would hinder you in any way? We we had some a few reservations about what it might be like promoting the show, but we felt so strongly that the show had to be called Shit's Creek. It was the most appropriate title. Right. We knew that it would probably be great fodder over a water cooler, you know, uh, for the first few (laughs) weeks, people talking about, can you believe there's a show called Schitt's Creek? (laughs) And then after that, they would just start talking about Schitt's Creek. And then it just becomes the title of the show, which which it pretty much is now. There are some networks uh, down here in the States that still, you you know, you have to show the sign before you can say it so you can see that it's not. And and incidentally, for anybody listening who is not familiar with the show, you know, the the name Schitt is a legitimate name. It's spelled S-C-H-I-T-T. And they're... You know, the reason we got this going up in Canada at CBC, because they want, they really wanted to, you know, change the name in the beginning, saying we love the show. Now let's talk about the name. Right. And we said, well, this is it. Yeah. So once we said this is, you know, the, the name is a legitimate name. Yeah. They bought it. They they said, sure, fine, that's it. And so far, we're, I think we're doing okay. Oh, that's great. I, and, and I don't know if please. you've said this. Have you said this? Or, if I missed it, if I zoned out, the reason the name is so important too is because we bought this town as a joke years ago we're so rich we were so rich we bought it as a joke for our son for his like 16th birthday or something we never even looked at the town right we just well johnny did i did buy it but it was johnny's joke by you know he's that loaded i think i'll buy that little town for my son you know what the name is you know so we're laughing about the name now uh, my character moira never says the name I can't believe I'm there. I can't be, and I have never said that surname, and I never will if well, I can help it. Well, I love it. that you, your character says when you're told you have only one asset let remaining. <laughs> my children? No, they're dependents. <laughs> uh, now, Eugene, to have your son creating this material for for not only you but also your collaborator of almost 40 years, yeah. 40, no, 40 plus years, yeah, yeah. to see that happening has got to be kind of a, an odd experience. Well, it is. Fun. It's odd. It yeah. is, I've called it surreal, and which it is, because it's not only has he amazed me in, in how far he has come in the last three years. I mean, he's done he's done a lot of television. He was on uh, MTV in Canada for seven years as a you know one of the hosts and doing very well at live television, but doing this kind of thing acting in a in a weekly show let alone writing and producing and he's really just excelled like beyond belief in all three categories i'll vouch for that yeah no really just he's an amazing producer and a great writer and his on-camera stuff is amazing and watching him and my daughter uh, sarah who's who, who plays twyla on the show Watching them in a scene, not only writing for the likes of Catherine and Chris Elliott and some, you know, people who've been doing comedy for all these years, just watching them in scenes with Catherine and Chris is really quite amazing. Acting with them myself in a scene is something else because I'm, it's like, for some reason, it's like being at home in my own kitchen. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, that's how comfortable it is but right. watching them hold their own in a scene with Catherine is like yeah it's pretty gratifying well, it's pretty if, amazing if the if the eyebrows did not give away that you're related then the <laughs> comedic uh you know sensibility it's clearly obviously improv has been the running theme of this it's synonymous with you guys essentially and yet i wonder now to be doing a, a scripted series do you get to inject a little of that or is it now less of that when you're doing a, a scripted tv series Great. We have great scripts, um, but I definitely feel the freedom. You know, I feel free, free enough to play with things, but only because I would only do it because there's something great in the script that inspires me. Well, oh, that's great. What if I try this too? You know, just kind of bouncing off in some moments, but basically sticking to the script. 
But yeah, definitely, I I don't feel constricted. Or yeah, I do. I, I mean, we, we, we basically stick to the script, but I think anybody who at any time feels the urge to kind of improvise or come up with a line or two or take it in a slightly different direction, then that's, you know, you, you try and go with it. And I think more times than not, it's used. So it, it, it's always something that comes back to, I mean, honestly, you know, this all goes back to Second City, I guess, which mm -hmm. is, you know, when you have that kind of background, improvisational background and the cardinal rules that Second City kind of taught you in terms of, you know, good, bright, intelligent comedy, it's something you fall back on every now and then, and it's great knowing you can fall back on it when yeah. you need to. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you guys enough. It's such a treat to have you, and I love everything you do. So thank Aww, you so much for fitting this in. I really thank you. Well, Very thank kind you, of you. Thank you. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.